Hi, Sunshine. I'm Natasha, your host for the Shine Online podcast and the founder of Soul Studio. In this conversational podcast, I interview the brightest entrepreneurs I know with the goal of empowering you to do business in a way that feels real to you. These conversations will bring you no fluff advice, honest discussions, and actionable strategies to help you shine online. There are so many bright brands in the online world, but there's always room for one more. Let's shine together. And before we dive into today's conversation, you're actually tuning into an exclusive replay of an Instagram live interview. And we'll be answering questions and interacting with the live audience over on my Instagram at Soul Studio Marketing. So let's get right into today's episode. Okay, well, I'm excited to go live with you today, talk about social media, talk about launches, all the things. I'll kind of let people trickle on, but if you want to kind of just introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll get right into it, but I'm excited. Yes, I'm so excited too. Thank you for having me. So my name is Kaylee Nicole. I am an influencer coach. So really what I teach is mainly women how to monetize their digital influence through brand partnerships. I'm also super passionate about teaching just Instagram. I know that that's your jam of, you know, just teaching about marketing and content strategy and creating and batching and automating. So I love talking about all those things too. And just discussing how really you can create a strategy that's also going to help you monetize because Instagram is a totally free marketing tool. And so I want to make sure that you can use that to the best of your ability while still showing up authentically and just really showcasing your personality too. Absolutely. And you do that so, so well. This is a question I was going to ask you later, but we're just going to hop right into it. But I feel like you're so great at being an open book and being very vulnerable in a very valuable way. And I think vulnerability is so kind of trendy right now, but I think it is important on Instagram to kind of go beyond the picture perfect moments and the Instagrammable moments to really share the real and the raw. So do you want to kind of talk about like how you've incorporated that into your content and kind of how to stay true to yourself and true to your brand and not get caught up in doing it because everyone's doing it type of thing? Yes, (laughs) totally. So a big thing for me was when I first started, I was not as open and transparent as I am now. You know, there was a lot of myself that I kind of held back because growing up, I don't know if anyone else can kind of resonate with this, but I was always told, oh, you're too much. You know, you're, you talk too much, your personality's too much, you're too outgoing, you laugh too much, you smile, it's just too much. And so I kind of held myself back when I first started out about, you know, four to five years ago on Instagram. And I said, okay, well, I'm just going to be kind of a toned down version of myself because that's what I thought people wanted. And what happened is I got really sick of feeling like I wasn't being authentic and I wasn't showing up as who I truly was. I was being who I thought everyone else wanted me to be. And so what really changed is I had a conversation with a friend and they were like, Kaylee, like you're so funny. Like you're so outgoing and this is like not you, like who you're showing up. It's not actually Kaylee. And so Mm -hmm. when I had that conversation with her, I was like, okay, you're right. So I'm going to try and just show up and like share with my personality more. And I mean, that I do that is when I really started to skyrocket and grow because people felt like they're talking to a human and not a robot. Not that I was super robotic, but I just wasn't myself, you know? So it really helped when I, you know, I had that conversation. And so I just kind of did a little bit at a time, you know, I started making funnier jokes, funnier faces. I, you know, tried to share more of my personality through my captions. And that really kind of snowballed into everything I'm doing now where I will show up all the time with no makeup on. And I just try and be as, you know, transparent and vulnerable as possible online, just because it helps me also build my community. Like I want people to know who I am behind Instagram that, you know, Instagram is a highlight reel and it's fun to post pretty pictures and talk about business and, you know, show up as an expert. But at the same time, people want to know, like, are you human? Like you don't want to dehumanize your kind of your content strategy falling into feeling like you have to be someone because someone else tells you you have to be, or, you know, they're expecting something different. And so Um, really what I've done is just, yeah, show up on stories a lot. I, you know, have had to have like, you know, video messages or conversations like in my DMS, just really trying to connect with people and just showcase my personality more. And it's been super fun because then a lot of people feel like, Oh wait, yeah, Kalia. I know Kalia, you know, she's the same person on Instagram as she is in real (laughs) life. And that's what I wanted people to feel like. 
that there wasn't a disconnect between, you know, who I was on here and versus who I was when they met me in person at an event, maybe. Right. And I felt a lot of that with other creatives that I was meeting in, you know, real life. And I was like, wait, that's like not who I expected. And I didn't want people to feel like that with me. I wanted them to feel like it was the same exact person through and through. And so that's just kind of, you know, the, the driving force of why I've started to show up more, you know, um, sharing my personality, but really that just comes with practice. It's a little scary at first, you know, to be like, Hey, here I am with like no makeup and I'm really, (laughs) you know, I just kind of rolled with it and people loved me for me, you know, rather than the diluted version that I tried to be to impress whoever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I, I can relate to that a lot too. And I think part of it might be because we all, we're kind of young, you know, young quote unquote, but I remember when I started my Instagram, I was like, you know, I don't want people to know how old I am. I don't know what people to know I'm still in school. I don't want people to think that I don't know what I'm talking about. So I just won't show up or I'll just be super polished. Always wear a blazer when I go on all those types of things. But yeah, I think when you kind of shift where you're like, people really do want to connect with people, that's when you'll start to see the growth and it will be gradual. Like showing up on talking to a phone when you don't feel like your best self is weird. It's uncomfortable, especially when you can't like directly see the response back. You know, even if you're alive with someone like we can see everyone saying hi, engaging all the hearts I love, but you know, it wasn't something that, you know, you automatically hear, wow, I relate and can respond, but it really is something that grows. Um, And I think that's just so powerful that it's been able to help you grow your platform. Speaking of student entrepreneurship, um, we both were student entrepreneurs. And um, I think that's a very big part of our own journey. So do you kind of want to talk about like, you're you're going to your first year, you know, full time in your business, not having to worry about school. So kind of like, what did you learn when you were kind of juggling both things and kind of how are you bringing that into this new chapter for your life? Yes. Oh, I love this conversation because honestly, sometimes I forget I was a full-time student. <laughs> Literally. Try to forget. <laughs> yeah. I like, oh, I don't want to even remember that point in my life. Um, but yeah, so I went to uh, the university of South Florida in St. Petersburg. I got my bachelor's degree in marketing. I really went for my parents and you know, if my dad hears this later, he's going to know. Cause I tell him all the time, I'm like, dad, I went for you and you know that. And so, you know, I really was a first gen kind of college student. My parents, you know, finished on later on after they had me they had me super young. And so they were like, you're going to college, you're going to school. Like we're putting you through. And I was like, okay. So I went through and it was really hard because at the time I was a full-time student. So I was taking five classes. I was also running my business, like my personal branch right now. And then I started another business called Gal Get Away. And then I had a relationship. I was trying to like have a social life. I was trying to like look cute, drink water, exercise, like show up and do all the things. And it got super overwhelming a lot of times. But what I truly learned was just the power of time management, you know, time blocking. So now, and I carry this into like my day to day now is, you know, every single night before I go to bed, I write out, okay, here are my three priorities for the next day. Here's like hour by hour, how I intend to get those done to make sure that I'm not like, I was overloading my schedule with like 20 different to do's and then beating myself up over not getting them finished at the end of the day. And then I ended up hiring a coach and she was like, well, why are you doing that to yourself? Like you're literally setting yourself up for failure. So now I just do three priorities. I scheduled that out. And so even when I was in school, I had designated days. So I had designated days and I was working on business and designated days I was working on school. Mm -hmm. So usually depending on my class schedule, if I classes Monday, Wednesday, those are my school days. If I, you know, then Tuesdays and Thursdays became my business day, Friday kind of depended on, okay, do I have a lot of tests or do I have, you know, coaching that I'm doing, you know, what does that look like? And I would kind of designate a day and then I usually pick up a Saturday and dedicate that to school or to work. And so that's kind of how I organized my schedule, but it was truly just a balancing act. I'm like, by the grace of God, I finished. Right. <laughs> Honestly. Don't really know, but I am so excited because this is my first year being completely done, having no school. So I am just so thrilled for like what it holds because, you know, the end of last year was great, but I, you know, graduated and then I ended up moving back in with my parents. And then I also was like traveling a ton. I completely transitioned my business. So there was so much pivoting that was happening from like August to December. So I was like, okay, I'm so ready for 2020. I already felt like such a fresh beginning this year to not have that on my plate and go in completely. Like it's just a clean start. And so I'm really excited, but time management was huge and, you know, prioritizing everything was huge. You got to figure out like, what are your priorities? And for me, that was like, okay, I have to finish school. But then here I also am wanting to build my business. So like, what are my priorities right now in terms of building that and scaling that? 
Yeah, no, I think that's so good. Kind of what I did as well is I think, you know, when you're preparing for that transition, you really want to start by, you know, implementing that now because it's so easy. Like when you actually, you know, become full time, you're like, wow, I, I, everything's so freed up, but also like I do have so much to do. Um, so I feel like that's a really important point that you noted. And, you know, even people that, you know, have nine to fives or side hustlers, I think they can learn from that as well is just really prioritizing knowing that you might have to say no to some things, but knowing it's like worth it in the long run and to like set yourself up for success by not making goals that aren't achievable, but making goals that you can actually see results from, which I really like how you said the three things every day. So speaking of, you know, kind of balancing things and prioritizing, you have so many things going on for you right now, you know, whether you're speaking or your programs or coaching or events, like all these amazing things going on for you. How do you decide between your yeses and your noes? Because I feel like there's power in both of those words, um, kind of learning how to use them properly. Yes. Oh, I love this question because it's something that I have had to really work on navigating that I'm still working on navigating. So for me, what I realized is that if I get an opportunity, right, I get a speaking engagement, I get an email in my inbox, um, a friend message me, anything that happens, right? And I do not immediately light up that I'm not full of like joy, enthusiasm. I'm like, heck to the yes. If it is not like 150% yes, it's a no for me. And I had to learn that the hard way because I was saying things that I was like, okay, like 80% or 90%, you know, just because I want the opportunity or I think it, you know, it could lead to something else great, but I wasn't, it wasn't lighting me up. And so that ended up causing me to have to pull away in other aspects that were 150% yeses because now I was wasting my time and energy on these 80 to 90% yeses that weren't as important or didn't light me up as much as the 150 ones. But because I committed, I have to follow through with that commitment. And that led to a lot of like not clients being unhappy, but me falling short, not being able to be as intentional with people as I wanted to, even being as intentional in like my relationship with friends, with family, significant other, you know, anybody. And so I really had to learn, okay, if it's not a heck yes, 150%, then I have to say no. And I have to give myself grace and just know that I'm actually doing them a favor by telling them no, because I wouldn't even be able to show up fully if I did say yes to doing this with them. And so that's kind of how I make my decisions. Like I just got uh, an email from one of the dream brands I've wanted to work with, but with this season and where I'm at currently, it's not a good fit. And even though they're my dream brand to work with, I know that taking them on as a client right now and doing a partnership with them isn't going to be beneficial for either of us because I can't dedicate the time and energy that they deserve and they deserve that. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of how I make my decisions now. And it's really helped me a lot because another thing that I also made a priority for this year is rest. And so I have scheduled in pockets of rest into every single month and weekend, certain specific times, especially after a lot of traveling, just because I'm really like worn down and I need that time to recuperate. So if I know I'm getting an opportunity around that time, that's also a no, you know, and I want to make sure that any kind of yes or thing that I'm taking on, I don't have to compromise any other area that's a non-negotiable in my life. So it's going to compromise my morning time that I value. If it's going to compromise my rest, if it's going to compromise my peace, if it's going to compromise my joy, um, if it's a time or energy sucker rather than something that's like going to give me and bring me life, then it's a no. And that's basically how I decide. It's not a, a very, you know, like there's no magical equation. I really go by how I feel in my gut and how I'm like, feeling emotionally in in response to it. And that's how I make my decision. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And I think sometimes it doesn't always have to be a no. It can be like maybe in this month or maybe in a different season. It's just kind of learning how to, you know, control your priorities and be sure you're saying yeses to things that you can deliver on, which I think is so important. Speaking of rest, we have Carson on here and on our episode together, we talked a lot about rest. I know that's something she's encouraged you to do. So why is rest so important in this new season of your life? Because I know that is just so huge for me is really, and we're getting Enneagram. We're talking about it all. Yes. Yes. (laughs) She knows me so well because she just said that I'm an Enneagram eight and I do go based off my gut. So I'm like, okay, how does it Okay. Like I'm very intuition based. So She really did. She got on me. We had a 2020 marketing meeting back in November, I believe. And, you know, I'm going through everything. I'm like, okay, we're launching this. We're doing this. Let's do this. Let's go here. And I get to March. I'm doing a lot of travel. Like we're both going to Alt Summit. You know, at that time I thought I was going to Hawaii then um, and also Vegas. And now, you know, Hawaii is being switched and whatnot. But I thought I was traveling like back to back to back. And she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
hold on a second. When are you going to rest? And I was like, rest? What is that? I mean, I have no time for that. And she was like, yeah, you have no time for that this entire from August to now. And look where you're at. Look how burnt out you are. Look at your lack of peace. Look at how tired you are. Look at how you haven't been able to show up as intentionally as you wanted to. And that truly changed the game for me because I was so grateful that she loved me enough to give me that constructive feedback and say, Hey, like, this is what I've noticed. And this is what I know you want to change. So why are you not setting out an action plan to make sure that you can change that? You know, why are you just kind of plowing through? And what I came to the realization was, is that I started to prize busyness. And really, I started to find my worth and productivity after going through like a really hard breakup last year. And then this transition of like, I thought I was staying in Tampa. I ended up moving back with my parents. I had to deal with like fears of failure and like taking a step back is that overall the root of all of that. And the reason that I kept like plowing through and just like, you know, hitting the pavement and going hard and getting to burnout is because I thought it would make me feel better. I thought it would make me find more value. And I was really finding my identity and how busy I was and the amount of time that I was working and like traveling and making moves and, you know, showing that on Instagram and everyone's like, you're doing amazing. Right. And it's like, instead I'm actually dying. And so that's why I was like, all right, like this is not happening in 2020. And that's why like my mornings are safe to me. I haven't started now at since 2020 started since the beginning of this month. I have not started working until like 11 AM to 12 PM. Usually I would have started working the second that I got back home from the gym at like seven 30 until 11 PM when I would go to bed. And so now it's like, no, 11, 12. That's when I start working. I go to bed at nine, nine 30 and I actually get eight hours of sleep. I don't get four to five anymore. Cause that's what I was running on, but it really has just changed. Even the way that I'm showing up, like I'm able to be more intentional. I'm able to pour into others. I'm able to serve others, you know, more like, well, you know, actually do what I'm doing with excellence rather than just, okay, just trying to get through, pushing through, powering through, and just getting addicted to like the grind. I'm working out of grace now instead of the grind. And that just has completely changed the trajectory of my business already. Yeah, no, I think it's so huge. And I I talk all about the book, how to get shit done, because it has this quote in it where it's like, productivity without purpose is just busyness. And I, when I, when I read that, I was like, that is so true because if you don't have purpose behind what you're doing, you know, you will never be fulfilled by just work and by just creating, you have to have your real purpose in your life and in your passions, or you just get run down. And I've experienced that as well, where I'm just like, you know, the more I'm pushing, the more I'm doing, these are all amazing things. Like, you know, I have to do, 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 but it really came back to like, what is like my purpose right now? What is my priorities right now? And like, once you make that shift, it makes honoring your energy so much more important. Carson says, I love that she goes to bed at nine. Me too. Love an early bedtime. <laughs> yes. And she even said too, like direction is greater than speed. And when she said that, I like wrote that on every single month. I was like, I never want to forget that because I truly was just running. I was just sprinting towards these goals, not realizing that like what direction are you even going in? I was just running. Like there was not even a linear path that I was taking. And so It's been a really good year to just, you know, take a step back, reprioritize and realize, Hey, okay. Like you can take rest. Your business is not going to fail. If you take a couple days off or you, you know, schedule in pockets of rest, like everyone's still going to be there. I think that was my fear is that, Oh my God, if I take off and like my business is going to explode and it's like, okay, wait, hold on. Like the whole reason I became an entrepreneur is so I could make my own schedule, determine how my business was going to be run. Why am I letting my business run me? Like I need to be running my business. And so that's where rest has really come in. Yeah, which I just love. And that's that's my word for the year. Actually, I was like trying to find something cooler. I was like, I want to go with this word. This I was like, it's honestly just rest because when you like experience it, you're like, this is what entrepreneurship is, is getting the freedom to find that rest in your weeks, in your days, in your months, and like have the freedom to schedule that in more besides just like using vacation days. I wanted to take a quick break from those mic drop moments to share an amazing free resource to help your biz shine on Instagram. Tasha's toolbox and strategy kit includes 30 tools for creative and strategic content on Instagram, including my best tips, strategies, and practices for growing on the gram. This resource includes a dimensions cheat sheet to let you know everything you need for creating graphics on social media, along with a lingo guide that breaks down any Instagram terms or words you may hear me using. 
So to download this freebie, go to soulstudiomarketing.com slash toolbox, or we've linked it in the show notes for you. Now let's get back into the episode. I want to shift to Instagram chat because, you know, that's your thing. That's both of our things. We love Instagram, even though, you know, it has its moments. We love it. But I think especially from like an influencer marketing point of view, I think what you do really well is even if it's a sponsored post or an ad is you can't tell. Like people can't tell. And I think people are always tagging you in products that they use that you recommend because you genuinely come from a point where it's like, I'm just a girlfriend recommending this. So what is your advice when people are, you know, wanting to get into sponsored posts or advertisements and like incorporate that into their content without it feeling inauthentic or icky? Oh, yes. And I actually cover this in so much depth in my program, Instagramable, because I get that question all the time. And everyone's like, okay, well, how do your sponsored posts get the same engagement as an organic post? And I'm like, okay, here's the key is telling a story. It's truly, instead of just making it about, hey, here's this product. I love this product. Check out this product. It's, hey, here's how I love, you know, here's this product. I love this product. Here's how I incorporate it into my daily life. Like the reason that people are tagging me in the stories they're sharing it is because. I use it on a daily basis. Like even when I go over it, I was just at my friend's um, bachelorette party because she's getting married next week. And I, you know, brought all my stuff over like normal and me not thinking anything of it. You know, I'm in the bathroom with all the girls and I have all my Not Your Mother's products lined up and they're like, so you actually use them? I'm like, yes, like they're the only products that I use. Like I love them. And they were like, wow, that actually is amazing. Like the fact that you promote them, but you're here and you have all of them with you. I'm like, yeah, I don't leave my house without them. Like they're key. And so even things like that, like stop accepting partnerships just to have clout and say that you got free stuff and you have these partnerships and you worked with XYZ brands. Like I'm going to be honest with you because the thing is when you do that, like your audience can tell, like your audience can smell BS from a mile away. And if you're showing up inauthentically and you're just posting to post about these products that you truly don't love and you're not actually using, like they're going to be able to tell. And that's why a lot of posts tank is because it's like an infomercial is that, you know, it's like, Oh, here's a, here's this product and here's this product. And then you're working with like six different beauty brands and 35 different hair care brands. And it's like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. What do you actually love? Right. That's where you start to lose trust. And the the biggest thing is that you want to maintain the trust of your audience. If you don't maintain their trust, if you don't have their trust, you literally have nothing. Like you've lost it. And it's really hard to regain that back. Like think to any other influencer that's kind of gotten, you know, in the media for, you know, not being authentic. Like there was a fitness influencer who, you know, talked all about like being healthy, eating well, working out, and then did a promo with McDonald's. Nothing against McDonald's. I love McDonald's, right? But it was super out of alignment with her content. And everyone was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought you talked about health and fitness all the time. Why are you promoting like these cheeseburgers, (laughs) you know? So making sure that also the partnerships are in alignment with, you know, your day-to-day, what are you actually using, you know, working with brands that maybe you already use on a day-to-day basis and then making sure you're not accepting just partnerships just to accept them, that you truly love like the brand and also the mission of the brand. Like, can you actually go and look on their website and be like, holy cow, what they stand for, what they believe in, the purpose of why they're doing business that aligns with me. That's what I always look at. Like whenever I get an email, I'm not just like, oh my God, this sounds so great. Like I go deep. I'm like, first of all, let me see your financial records. Like, can you even pay me? Like exactly <laughs> on time, <laughs> yes, on time, please. <laughs> what I'm worth. So, you know, those are all a lot of different aspects to kind of consider, but you know, really when it comes down to it, telling a story, you know, really getting your audience involved and also getting them to see themselves in the story, you know, adding in calls to action, doing stories where, you know, you have a question box or a quiz box and you know, you're really getting them engaged and it's less about like, Hey, here's me and here's this product and here's my feed and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, Hey, like here's this product. Here's why I love it. Here's how I use it. Like, how would you use this? How do you use it? Have you ever tried it? Would you like to try it? You know, things like that. And just really getting them involved and inviting them into the conversation that you're creating. I agree. I think people always need to keep in mind, like social media is meant to be social. We're meant to have conversations. It's not supposed to just be you speaking at a microphone at everyone. Like I love this product. I got sent for free. (laughs) Like tell a story essentially. And even for any brands or, you know, businesses that are wanting to market their services, always just focus on storytelling. It's what connects and it's what builds relationships, which is what will get you that result, whether it's, you know, clicks or sales or all of those different types of things. It's just really focusing on that storytelling aspect. Another thing with Instagram is it's obviously shifting away from likes, which I think is great. 
And I think one thing that you do really well also is getting savable content or shareable content. So people are sharing them to their stories or saving them, which I think is such a valuable metric to look at. So what have you noticed like are the key things that all your like most saved and most shared content have in common? That's a great question. And you know, so when we talk about kind of metrics that we're looking at, the vanity metrics are the likes, the comments, and the followers, right? What everyone else can see. The metrics that truly matter though are the ones no one else can see, which are saves and shares, even DMs. I value save shares and DMs above anything else. Even answers to my question boxes that I put on my story, those are the most valuable to me, right? Because what's funny is a post can completely tank in terms of likes, but it has the most saves I've ever gotten or the most DM responses, right? That's what I care about because I care about community and that's how you get people really, really deep into your community because you don't want to focus on like, the width of your community and how big it is. You want to focus on the depth of it. So my most saved and shared are usually like, Hey, three tips here or five things to consider or, um, anything where I ask questions in there. I always also encourage people to save posts and people know that about my content, like my content, I just aim to create savable and shareable content. A lot of people also are like sharing quotes and I don't do a lot of quotes, but really what they are ending up sharing is the quote within my caption. And so with that, if I'm asking questions, like I just did a recent post on like audience avatar and content columns. So I was saying, okay, if you want to figure out what these look like for your brand, here are the questions to be asking yourself. I would encourage you to save this post to refer back to later. And then also make sure that you go take some time to actually answer these questions. And so they did it. I was getting tons of DMs. People were sharing on their stories. They were like sharing the post. They were sharing, you know, them actually writing out to the questions and like, that's what I care about is I want to see you take action because if all you're doing is you're scrolling through my feed and you like it and maybe you comment, Hey, super cute or great tip here and there, but you're not taking action. Then I didn't do my job as a coach and as an educator and as someone trying to provide you with value here in the online space. So, you know, adding in like three tips, any kinds of questions, um, anything that raises the stakes. So some, you know, when I'm doing in launch mode and I'm in like usually the last week of launch, I go hard on selling and really getting them to see themselves as, you know, through the transformation of what the program is going to provide or getting them to make investments or take risks. And I do a lot of like strong language. And so a lot of that gets shared too. Um, a lot of my posts that cause polarity. So a lot of my posts about like my faith and me being a Christian get shared a lot and, um, saved a lot. I get, you know, I did a, one of the posts that went viral last year is an open letter to those who want to pick my brain. And that one exploded and was like my most saved, shared, liked, commented post ever, just because it caused such polarity because I get so many messages of like, Hey, love what you're doing. Like, can we sit down for coffee? And like, can I pick your brain? And I'm like, so I just had to write an entire post about that. And you know, it went really well, you know, it's one of those posts that went viral. So it's also something you have to figure out what your audience resonates with, because I might be telling you, Hey, three tips here and five ways to do this and do quotes and stuff, but that might not work for you. It might be like, Hey, if you're an artist and you actually write quotes and those, what that's what you post, that might be your most shareable content. If I did that, no one would save or share that because that's not my niche. right? So really figure out what works best for you, what your audience resonates with and go with that. Because again, stay in your own lane, just because this is what works for me or this is what works for Natasha doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you because what you're doing likely won't work for us Stay in your own lane. Take yourselves out of the running of feeling like I I have to be in Kalia's lane or I have to be in Natasha's lane or in so-and-so's lane. Like you got your own lane, take yourself out of that running, right? Run your own race and figure out what truly resonates with your audience. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I think it's really important to focus on digestible, like you said, where it's like, you know, this many tips or things that people can refer back to or things people can see themselves in, which like, you know, like you said, it could be a quote or it could be you getting really vulnerable and sharing a story. So kind of focusing on those two touch points and like call to actions are key. Like you said, just like if you want people to comment and to share and to save and to reply, then you have to ask them to and remind them that you're there for that two-way street, essentially. I think calls to actions are so key. You said, pick my brain. And I have that question right here waiting for you. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, let's talk about it because I get it as well. I get people where they're like, oh, do you want to look at my Instagram or can you help me with some strategy or literally saying, can I pick your brain? And in my, I'm trying not to vent because it happened this week. So, you know, you just got to breathe sometimes. But um, it, my, pick my brain essentially translates to me like I want to take things out of your brain that people pay for, but I want it for free. That's what it translates 
do for me. And it's something I struggle with handling. And I'm curious, like, how do you handle it? What are your thoughts on it? Maybe Ben a little... (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness. I mean, I could go on this forever. And I was actually just pulling up a post that I saved the other day that talked all about this. It was funny because someone actually shared it with me and they said, Hey, like, I feel like you would love this post because it went all into, you know, like five responses basically for people that want to pick your brain. So I'm going to read through these because also, and I'll kind of share my opinion to this, how I've really navigated this, but, um, here's the five responses. So Number one, sure, email me your over your top three questions. If it's something I can answer quickly, I will. If not, I'll need to book in some consultancy time. Number two, I have a pick my brain slot every blank at blank. Here's the link to book in. The third one is I can't commit to meeting right now, but I'm pretty sure I've got a blog, podcast, article that can assist you. Would you like the link? Fourth is sure. Would you like to book a consulting hour? Here's the link to book and pay for your session. And the final one is, Hey, I actually cover that in my book or online course. Would you like the link? Right? So the key things that you're really pulling out of here is number one, you're likely going to have some kind of free resource for them. Pull it out, send that over to them and then see what happens because usually they're going to say, okay, actually that answered my question or maybe it didn't. And they're going to look into your paid opportunities. Second one is just directly leading them to your paid opportunities. And that's what I've done a lot more so. I do have a ton of free content. I'm willing to send that over. But if I send that over and someone asks me, for example, hey, can I pick your brain about engagement? My engagement has been down you know, a lot lately. What do I do to fix it? I'll send them over my five different posts that I've done on how to boost your you know, engagement organically. If after that they say, oh, I still need help, Hey, here's a link for Instagramable. I, I personally, me, like they're saying, you know, they're keeping it nice and they're like, would you like a link? I'm just like, here's the link. Cause I don't even have time to figure out if you want it or not. I'm going to send it to you because I know you need it. And so yep. then I'll send them over to my program, Instagramable, and I'll let them know, you know, if you're looking for some more personalized or customized help, I'd love to serve you deeper in my program, Instagramable. Here's the link. And I leave it at that. Okay. But really just be honest, either send them something for free or give them directly a link or, you know, even, um, we got a message here saying book a console. They finally created a page for that. You can do something like that. If you want to set aside X amount of times a month where you have consultations, maybe it's a 10 to 15 minute clarity call. I personally don't have those just because it's not a priority to me. And I've actually, because I've spoken so much about like, don't pick my brain and don't treat me like I'm a freaking Google search engine. Yeah. Um, you know, people have laid off a lot, right? But, you know, if that's something you're constantly getting and maybe you're even in a place where you're just starting out and that might even be a good testimonial for you to use is to do a 10 to 15 minute call, kind of test your coaching on them or, you know, you being an educator, whatever service you're trying to offer, get a testimonial and that can be, you know, an equally based in- incentive on both sides. Yeah. Hey, that's an option too, but it really is going to be case by case. But if someone is just like, I had a couple times last year before I really started to set boundaries because boundaries are key and making sure that you do mention to people and you do set, you know, draw the line in the sand. Like you have to be bold about it and you have to say, okay, you know what? Like this is just not okay. And you say it, you know, lovingly and kindly letting them know, like, this is just a boundary that you have. And, you know, but I got a couple messages last year where they were like, Hey, can I pick your brain? And they were relentless. And I finally got on video message and I said, Hey, listen, I know that you have good intent. However, it's at a point where it's now feeling disrespectful to what I do offer as a coach in terms of what I offer for free in terms of the fact that I do offer paid services. So, you know, again, here's the link. If you know, here's my free content, whatever, make your decision. You know what I mean? But please stop treating me like a Google search engine because that's not what I'm here for. Um, but that's kind of how I personally navigate it. Again, it goes case by case. It really depends on, you know, what you're, I'm a lot bolder than most people too. So I'm not afraid to be like, here's a link to my program. Here's this. Please stop picking my brain. Exactly. I know it's not like that for everyone. Um, you know, but if it's something where you're, especially if you're just getting started and it could be a good opportunity for you to get a testimonial or try out kind of your coaching services, your coaching style, then Hey, you know, don't, don't rule it out, but just make sure that you're respecting yourself, your time, your energy, and your business and setting those boundaries too. Definitely. I think the key is having offers that are catered towards people that are, you know, wanting to quote unquote, pick your brain. Um, I used to have two other freebies, but I realized everyone was asking me, what tool are you using for this? What tool are you using for that? That is my most frequently asked question. Mm -hmm. I was like, why don't I put every single tool that anyone has ever asked me about Your toolbox, in yeah. my toolbox, literally. And I have all my Instagram strategies in there, everything I get frequently asked questions about. So every single time someone asks, I send them that or, you know, my courses because it's, you know, affordable way to work with me. It's easy to digest. I send them that. But I think it's really important to have some type of 
offer for them. Um, and if they re leave you on scene, then they're not the type of person you'd want to work with anyway. And hopefully you resolve the issue because money started to get involved, you know? But I think also, you know, from a point of view where you're wanting to reach out and get advice or you're wanting to connect with people, it's just making sure you're thinking of things from a mutually beneficial point of view, because I have offered advice and, you know, connected with people that maybe they see a post and they relate to, or it's on a more personal level versus just like, Hey, can you look at my stuff? I, I want a free audit. So just like coming at how you're wording at things differently. And even for this podcast, you know, I, you know, have some big guests. I would like to have on. So I start the conversation by saying, Hey, I love what you do. You know, I'm excited to follow you more. And, you know, I'm excited to read your book and, you know, give you my thoughts on it. She's like, yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts, you know, those different types of things. So just like starting conversations and like making sure people know you like did the research and put in the time to seeing, do they have a blog post about it? Do they have a book about it? Do they have a course about it? Do they have free consults? Yes. Like, Ugh, I can go off on that. Like, because people don't research. They're just exactly. like, oh, do you have this? Do you have and I'm just like, did you look like, at my you website? Look at anything that I have, you <laughs> exactly. know, and, it, and we're joking about like how we're ranting just because we deal with it so often that it's got to the point where it is a rant. But at the end of the day, do your research. If you have a question and if, if it's after you've scoured everything that they have looked at their podcast, looked at their book, look at their website, their blog, their Instagram posts, and you still can't find it, reach out. But the people that I'm like, Oh my God, I'm more than willing to help is especially if they're like, Hey, I took a look at your blog or I took a look yep. at X, Y, Z, but I still didn't, you know, find anything. Do you mind pointing me in the right direction? Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. You or know, creating content for it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I do that all the time. If, if they're like, Hey, you know, I had this question. I didn't see an answer to it. And I'm like, actually, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. I'll definitely make sure to address that in a future blog post or a future Instagram post. Right. But it's all about how you approach it too. But if you come in and you're just like super entitled about it and you're just like, give me these, this knowledge and these answers, I'm like, yeah, I think that we gave some really good tips for people to know how to handle it in a graceful way, but also, you know, how to come about things because, you know, I know I've been in a place where I've wanted to connect with people and ask questions, but coming from it as a, you know, just honoring people's time and experience and years and hardships that took to get that experience. Because that's where the, you know, the struggle come from is like, I went through all of this bootstrapping it and figuring it out myself. So like do a little bit of work and then we can chat about it. <laughs> yeah. Last thing I'll say on that is, you know, something that I had to actually say to someone is, you know, they kind of were one of the relentless people that were wanting to pick my brain. And I've made almost at this point, I've invested over 60 K in my business and literally just funneling everything I would make back into growing and scaling it. And so I said, you want to pick my brain for $5 over a cup of coffee. This costs 60 K. Yeah. Like, no, you can't do that. Like, and we kind of not in a heated debate, but I was sending voice messages and I just, you know, you have to set that boundary and also let them know, like, this is why you can't, you know, but don't ever discredit the time you went through school, the time that you spent bootstrapping it, the investments that you've raised, the risk that you've taken. Don't discredit that. Right. You know, again, just set boundaries for yourself. Exactly. I think that's so important. And I, I think you really have to just be clear on kind of like what your priorities are at the time as well, when it comes to DMS and comments and engagement, because, you know, at the beginning of your business, it might be valuable for you to kind of, you know, engage more and have those conversations. But yeah, also being like, there is a lot of time that you've taken to be an expert in whatever you're at, even if you're just starting out. So just like yeah. honoring yourself with that as well. I think kind of piggybacking on that investments are huge with growing your business. And I know that there goes a lot of sacrifices into making investments. Um, I know we've both been through our own journeys with moving back home. It takes a lot of pride to put that aside and figure that out. And it's really because I think to build a successful business, there has to be some type of sacrifice and investment involved. So how has that kind of looked for you, especially last year, you know, with your investments and sacrifices you made and like, how have you seen that return now? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> where do I begin? So, you know, obviously I just kind of threw out there that I've, you know, invested over 60 K and, you know, me being a 22 year old, that sounds absolutely insane. And it is. Um, but here's honestly how I did it is number one, I did a lot of payment plans. So with the coach that I invested in, I did payment plans. So, you know, as I was working with her, I was paying her, but I was also making money. So I was kind of bringing it back in. So it was, you know, a two way street. 
And then a lot of anything that I made, I really lived on like the bare minimum. Like, okay, this is what I need in order to survive each month without having like anything extra. I would, I, I'm very big on like delayed gratification because that's how you become like a multimillionaire. Like no multimillionaires become who they are and have that kind of wealth by just buying whatever, spending whatever, not taking risks, not making investments. And so I was like, I really analyzed, okay, well, how are the people in the positions I want to be in one day that are making six, seven figures a year? How do they operate? How do they think? How are they managing their money? And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to do that because if it got them there, like <laughs> it must work, you know? So really what I did is, you know, a big thing that I did is I invested in a coach. I would highly recommend that for anybody investing in a coach or a mentor or someone that is, you know, several steps ahead of you that can help bring you there. Because here's the thing you have to always consider what is it costing you to not make that investment? It's costing you a lot of time, energy, um, a lot of, you know, just wasting opportunities because you're sitting here trying to figure it out all on your own when someone else has already gone through the entire process and figured it out and streamlined it. And is now being like, Hey, you can actually skip steps one through seven. If you're hiring me, because I went through that and I know all the shortcuts, right? They're going to take you on the shortcut route. So I did that. Another thing is I started investing in a team and that was major for me. Carson was on here earlier. She's my marketing strategist. She started out as my VA and we kind of bumped her into that position because that's just kind of the role that she developed into. And then I also have a graphic designer. I have photographers that I work with. I have um, several interns for pitching for, um, you know, administrative staff. So really I wanted to invest in people. That's my biggest investment is like, you will never go wrong if you invest in people. And so I invested in people in terms of mentors and coaches. And then I also invested in people in terms of, you know, my team that could work parallel to me and help me with things that are outside of my zone of genius. And so, and then the biggest one that I made last year was moving back home. So that was another one that I really had to swallow my pride on. That was probably one of the hardest issues, decisions that I've ever had to make just because I felt like it was such a step backwards. Like, oh, I graduated college. I'm running my business. My business has never been at a better place, but I'm moving back home. Right. And I actually wrote an entire post about that because everyone thought like I was moving, you know, from St. Pete to Tampa, getting this place and having an office and all these things. And I just realized I had a moment where it was, okay, I can spend this. I have the money right? But I can't afford it. And what I mean by that is I have the money, but I can't afford it because I can't afford to make this investment in light of all the other investments that I know I want to make in 2020 in order to scale and grow my business. And if I stay here and I spend, you know, this, the 2k a month on rent, plus everything for my car, plus everything, you know, all my business expenses, then it is going to put me in a hole and I'm not going to have the flexibility to make the investments I truly want to. So I was like, Okay, delayed gratification. And right now I'm in a place and I don't want to announce it yet because it's like a different move. I'm moving back, yeah. um, but it looks a little bit different than how I expected in a really good way. But it also will not be possible and it wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't moved back and lived with my parents and not had paid rent this entire time. So answer a couple of questions that I see coming in just because I know that they're in line with what I'm going through is, you know, how do you know when to invest in a coach? So for me, when I knew is that I had all these different ideas, all these things I wanted to pursue, but I had no idea how to actually create an action plan to implement all those ideas and get things done. Everything was just like swinging around in my head and I was feeling super overwhelmed. It wasn't for a lack of determination, drive, or even really talent and, you know, excitement about the areas I wanted to dive into. It was, I just didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to get there. And I knew I needed accountability and I needed someone that was 10 steps ahead of me to be like, okay, let me grab your hand. Let's go. Let's walk together. Teach me the way of the land. And so that's when I knew how to hire a coach. I know that a lot of people are kind of in different places. Sometimes it's like they don't feel like that, but they just know that they just need accountability or they know that they need a fresh perspective. You know, for everyone, it's really going to be different. But for me, when I was introduced to my coach, her name's Karina, I, the second that I met her, I was like, I need her in my life. And again, that was a very gut no, decision. Yeah. You just know. It's like when you meet the right yep. person, you're like, oh, yep. when you know, you know. <laughs> you know that's kind of how it was. It I was is. like, okay, yeah. you know, you know. Exactly. So that, that's how I decided it wasn't a magical formula or it was like, okay, I hit X amount of income or X amount of followers or X this, like it's just a gut intuition. And that's kind of how I know. Yeah. Also the same question of like, how did you know when to hire a team? For me, when I realized I was spending so much time outside of my zones of genius and to kind of explain what a zone of genius is, my zones of genius are like communicating. So like talking, speaking engagements, um, really getting, um, people to see their dreams and their potential and guiding them through that process, taking them from A to B, doing things like answering all my emails, writing all my email copy, writing sales pages, um, graphic design, taking photos. Like that is not my zones of genius. So I outsourced all of that. Best investment ever next to like literally the best investments I've ever made have been in people. And so I knew I got to a point where, okay, there's no way I can build an entire website on my own. And I don't want to spend the time and 
energy. So I'm going to hire a graphic designer. Okay. Well, I know that I need to, you know, a lot of my sales from the small emails that I've been sending, I'm getting a lot of people that are buying from my emails. Okay. I think it's time to hire someone that can actually do my email marketing to hire a person, right? So it's when I start to see huge gaps that I can't fill and that I frankly don't want to fill. That's when I start to outsource and say, okay, who can I bring in to fill in this gap so that I can have more time back to focus on what I'm truly good at? Yeah, I think that's so good because that has been kind of the same for me as well. Um, as for like investing in a coach from my perspective, um, in like the first year of my business, I honestly was just head down grinding, like, you know, did it all myself. I had the energy for it and that was what worked for me. But after I, you know, you know, was starting to see this growth in my business, I was kind of like, I know it's time to up level and I can stay at where I'm at and that's cool. But like to get to that next level, I need to have a mentor and I need to have a team to support me. And those investments literally happen in a span of like two months pretty much. But that has already contributed to my most income yet and the most leads and just the most success in my business in general. So I'd say, you know, when you get to a point where you are grinding the gears and you're not getting anywhere, when you have to be like, okay, I've done as much as I can. I need an outside source. And that's the thing is coaching can look in so many different ways can be, you know, mastermind groups. It can be one-on-one for specifically something like marketing or social media. Like it can look very different, but I think when you feel like you're not getting to that next step and you're stagnant and you're ready for that next step, that's when it really happens. And kind of the same with a team is like, if you feel like you're like, okay, I have all these amazing things going, but I can't add anything else more to my plate. It's time to either make sure you have the financial capabilities to hire a team because maybe you're not making enough to where you can scale or you need to be like, okay, I have the income. It sounds really scary, but I do need to invest that back into my team because you will see that return almost instantly, I think. Yeah. And like Carson said, you know, when you're no longer in your position as CEO, right? When I'm I'm holding, you know, I have all the hats on my head. That's what I knew. I was like, okay, I'm not superwoman, right? And my business is actually suffering from me trying to wear all of those hats rather than just stay in my lane. And so, you know, the two questions that kind of came off of that too, that I'm seeing is, okay, well, how do you find the right people? How do you find the right coach? How do you find the right team members? For me, it's funny because I was talking about this in a live I did last night is Carson had reached out to me asking a question about one of my conferences. And then now she works for me almost full time. And so, you know, it could be from, you know, live events. It can be from Facebook groups. It can be from the the referral of a friend, you know, really also make sure that you're looking at testimonials. So talk to people they've worked with before, especially as a coach. So what I did when I was interested in hiring Karina is I talked to other clients that she had. I said, how was the transformation? What do you feel like? Because this is a 24 K investment I'm about to make. I'm not just going to be like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like I really wanted to know. Even I tell people all the time, like Instagramable, like the lowest one for Instagram was like 497, right? I say, okay, go look through all the testimonials, go actually DM them personally and ask them if they feel like it would be a good fit or the results that they saw from that program. Don't just take my word for it, right? Don't just take the coach's word. Don't just take the person you're going to hire, like really go talk to people they've worked with before, the people that have seen results from the program and ask for their honest opinion. Um, but I have found mine through just literally asking Instagram and putting up like an application or, you know, a call of saying, Hey, I'm looking for this position. If anyone's interested, drop your email, I'll send you more information. Um, you know, going through, and even asking for uh, like Facebook groups and whatnot, even asking, um, yeah, Instagram, Facebook groups, LinkedIn, going to events, asking for referrals. But that's really how I found most of the people that I've been on my team or that I've hired as coaches and mentors in my life. Yeah, I agree. I think like networking and like starting to build your community is really key, whether you're getting referrals. I think referrals are huge, but also just like looking at people like for the coach that I hired. I, when I was thinking of like, what was my next step? I looked at her and I'm like, she's there. She's doing that. So I already know she's going to be able to deliver on what I need. And kind of the same with, you know, with my team, some has been from Instagram, some has been from referrals, um, even had good luck with Fiverr. <laughs> so yeah, it really just depends on just like making sure you're looking, but making sure you're also being picky just because you found someone that sounds good and they might actually be very good. They might not be the exact fit for what you need for your business. And also I think something to consider is like personalities. Yes. So for me, oh, I am an Enneagram eight and 
you know, I typically work best with twos and threes on the Enneagram. So I even asked like, Hey, what's your Enneagram or what's your Myers-Briggs or what's your personality like? Because if you're like an eight or a seven, like I am, we're likely going to clash heads. Like the only people I really have in my life that are like that are friends. And we kind of know each other's boundaries and how that dynamic works, but on team and doing business, it just doesn't flow well. So know too, like what kind of personalities match so that when you're working together, you can, you know, adequately communicate with one another and, you know, you know what that looks like. And it's, it's not so, you know, you're not faced with so much miscommunication and, and issues because your personalities just don't match to begin with. They might be a great person at their job, but they're just not a great fit for you. Yeah. And that's okay too. Yeah. I think that's so important when I was kind of, you know, asking one of my um, students, actually, um, she does, you know, hiring systems and that's what she does. And the biggest thing she said to me, she's like, take the Enneagram and ask that when you're interviewing, because it's really important to know different personality types. Cause when I was interviewing, I found a lot of great people for, you know, VA role, but I was just like, can I imagine talking to them every day? They're very nice and kind, but is that going to be like someone I want to go to and vent to and put my ideas to and work with all the time? You also kind of just want to be honest with that as well. Yeah, that's true. Like I, I remember I was hiring for a, uh, like a PA position. So personal assistant and I got on this call and this girl and I talked for hours and hours, but it was very like, Oh my God, we're great friends. And I was like, this is yeah. not going to work yeah. because we will not get anything done. Like we'd be great friends, but we wouldn't be great in business together. So if you want to know how to figure out your Enneagram number, there's lots of tests on there. There's like the Enneagram Institute and there's a free test on there and you basically just take it make sure that you answer the questions very unbiased. Yeah. Like just kind of go through, go with your gut and answer those. And then it'll give you either a number one through nine and then usually a wing two. Just make sure you read the description because I'm no Enneagram expert, but you read the description, make sure it resonates with you. And then you'll usually get a wing two and your wings. A lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about their wings. They're like, Oh, I'm an eight, but I'm a wing one. And your wings are really only on the other side of you. So I'm an eight, seven. So really what my together as an Enneagram, I'm like the maverick because I am an eight plus like, I'm like the challenger plus the enthusiast. And so together I'm like the maverick, which is like them blended. So it's really, really interesting. It's a great personality test. It's similar to Myers-Briggs. You're just associated with a number. It's also become more popular because of like the Enneagram and coffee account that went viral. But I love it. I'm very big on personality and figuring out like, what are your strengths? Where do you thrive? Where are your weaknesses? You know, all of that. So it's good to know too, when you're hiring even a coach, um, as well as team members. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Just Google it. And I will try to find a podcast that I listened to about it. Um, that was really, really good as well. And I will link it in the show notes because yeah, I think it's really important to kind of research it and find out what you are, but I feel like we covered so much. I, I mean, yes. we kind of like went on little tangents, but they flowed <laughs> and they were so good. So thank you for everyone for your questions and for engaging. Um, and if anyone is wanting to follow you, if they're listening to the podcast or if they're over from my Instagram, where can they find you and how can they work with you? Yes. Yes. So I am on Instagram. You can probably see it now because of the live, but it's at Kaylee and Nicole. Mm -hmm. And that, this is where I hang out. Mostly. I also have a Facebook group community and that is linked in my bio. And then I also have several programs. So if you love, you know, Instagram and you're wanting to kind of learn more about that, of how to like create, automate and batch your Instagram content, like a pro, I have a program called Instagrammable that is starting next month, which is exciting. And then I also have one-on-one um, -on -one coaching that I do. And then another program called Network net worth if you're wanting to monetize your influence through brand partnerships. So that's how you can stay connected, but definitely slide into my DM, start up a conversation, send me an email, all the things. I would love to just get to know you more and figure out how I can serve you too. Ah, awesome. Yes. And I feel like we might need to do a part two because I have like so many other questions. Maybe we'll do it like at <laughs> yes. Alt Summit or something. Like, oh, yes. just, like do it at Alt Summit. That would be really fun. Yes. yes. I'm so game, girl. You know I'm down. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was so Yes. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much to today's expert guests for joining us. If you want to connect with today's guests or check out any of the important links mentioned in the show, I've linked the details in today's show notes. Join the conversation at hashtag the shine online podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. If you love what you've heard today, we really appreciate it. And it helps support our show. Remember, regardless of where you're at in your entrepreneurship journey, there's always room for your biz to shine. I'll see you next time.